uh, today's uh, parody is going to be um, a general talking to his private. Like, he's called him in. Okay? So I'm the private? Is that a thing now? We're beginning with parodies? That's what I'm going to do until uh, you say absolutely not or I run out of ideas. Three, two, one. Private, get in here! Hey, I'm Private Private. Hey, Pri- What's going on? Private, salute your general when you walk in! I... I just got here. I, I, I'm sorry, they haven't taught me that yet. Private, do you know what just was released to the major prob- uh, public that was supposed to be a top government secret? Well, I accidentally took some photos... Uh, of of some maps. Oh, that's uh, not what I wanted to hear. I'm talking about the oh, other no. big secret. This undiscovered two thumbs undecided episode titled uh, Absurdist Comedies. This was not supposed to be released. I, think, I thought it was called Surrealist Comedies. Oh, so you know about this private? Yes, I do know about uh, it. I, I, I just thought the comedy in there was so... Uh, surreal. Surreal. Uh, surreal to the to the degree in which it felt like I was having an out of body experience, feeling like uh I was transported back to the 2020s. You remember those times? I know. The year now is 2075. Well, private, here's the thing: we were not supposed to release this uh, podcast because it was going to bring people too much joy. The government wants to suppress the humans. So, the President of the United States, who is a cat, man, woman, dolphin. I don't know why you're laughing, Private. You voted for this a weird thing. I voted for an actual human. Anyways, um, we have to, we, you and me, General and a Private, we have to now listen to this whole stinking episode of Two Thumbs Undecided. So buckle well, good. up. This was my my plan all along. Cause I, I hope you're not I, married because we're gonna be here for a long time. <laughs> I'm glad you're I, I am at married that. and and my wife is currently calling me, but I'll put I'll put my phone on silent. I'm married too, but we technically are divorced. Anyways, uh, grab a seat. I have a massive hernia, so I'm gonna sit on this big fluffy pillow. Sorry. For some reason, in the future, all pillows are whoopee cushions. Ah, oh, this is a future I hate. Anyway, let's do it. All right, I'm pressing right. play. Beep. Hello, everybody. I'm Zachary Ferguson, your humble host for Two Thumbs Undecided. I'm Sam Ferguson. Is there a dump truck yeah, behind you? Can I you hear, hear that? Uh, beeping. Yeah, no, there there was a uh, backing up dump truck but thing is is uh our dump tr- trucks are um... hopefully that doesn't i wonder if there will be dump trucks in the 2070s no i i mean i really hope so as you know private there aren't okay that's the last comment i'm gonna say yeah i don't know i think uh i think uh they're probably well maybe they'll zap it and it'll go like to a planet Far yeah. away. Oh well. Teleportation. I feel like everything that you think is gonna happen in the future ends up not happening. No, um, honestly, I wanted to make a joke. Like I wanted to write a sketch where like two people are like, Okay, Jimmy, let's go into the future. Like a thousand years in the future, and they zap themselves and literally nothing has changed. 
It's like mm. flying cars haven't done anything. iPads are well, actually just... gotten bigger. I feel like um, Back to the Future Part Two is like the the creme de la creme like future movie. When people think of like going to the future, they think of like how like people think the future is going to be like Back to the Future Part Two. But Zemeckis actually said that he didn't want to go into the future because he feels like anytime people go into the future, it's wrong, and it's and so he he I think he made it purposefully outlandish, so it wouldn't really. It wouldn't be a prediction of things to come. Well, I thought um, it was—I thought it was funny. The the, so I remember the last season of Parks and Rec takes place in 2015 when it came out. I think in 2012 or something, or maybe 2000. It came out like a few years before, and the only difference was—is everything was on screen. Like everything, you could like pull up, like a screen was oh, displaced. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of funny. Like we're never gonna have like. I, I just don't know. The future just does not seem like it's going to. No offense. To, actually, offense to our human God. I don't think uh, the future is going to be that great. <laughs> yeah. But, hey, maybe they're. Bad uh, time to be having kids. You're telling me. I am telling you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, g- give me the news. Uh, maybe shine some light on um, on the future. Maybe there will be well, some good news. Well, it's some bad news. Huh? Uh, I didn't tell you this, but the the so you know how we are trying to get into the seeing what's going on with film festivals and such. Yes. Um. So we were gonna go to the Venice Film Festival. Oh yeah. Because that was a the cheapest to get accredited. Did did. Um. And also b. Um. Supposedly they were supposed to be having a virtual screening room for for us. Um. For critics. Um, but I looked it up or I emailed them and I was like, Hey, do you have a virtual screening room? And he was like, yes, we do. We have it for these three categories, but they don't have it for in competition. So we'd be seeing out of, out of competition stuff. Um, not to say that's not, you know, impressive getting out of competition and all that, but, um, it's certainly, it's, I don't know if it's going to be worth it. Well, I mean, you know. I feel like just doing any kind of competition is worth making us feel like like ah yes we're part of this. Like when was True. when is the New York when was the New York Film Festival supposed to happen? Uh late September, I think. In late September? September, October. Um well, everything's around September. Like as soon as September hits, that's like boom. But I it's, actually it's so, so funny that you of... say that because I also that's there's one event that I still like, still could go to, but I'm. It's like an anime convention that still hasn't been shut down yet. But mm-hmm. I think the reason why it hasn't been shut down yet is the owner of the hotel that hosts it is apparently uh, like anti. Or he's not anti-mask. He 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 does not care about masks, which in my opinion mm. is silly and dumb. It is dumb. We um. I won't name names, but there's a certain someone who I am living with who uh, isn't anti-masks. He's just um, uh, kind of del- kind of forgets, but he okay. also is very stubborn. So he 
went into like goes into stores without masks and like ah. comes, and then get and then complains to us and is saying oh like you know these people are like crazy like these people are yelling at me and stuff and we're just like well they should obviously they are <laughs> really but, like Wait. i'm glad that they I, you know, I kicked you out this is a yeah personal thing so you guys do like talk back at this guy because if my roommate yes, came back and it's, said it's literally everyone's been those are the people i want to yell at, at on face like if i saw that on facebook like the people who are like saying this is a hoax or a, a sheep well the thing, thing is this person is is an extreme situation because right, right. he's kind of not there mentally yeah so though everybody it's, it's kind of it's not like he had like he i think he's just very old and you know this has never happened to him before and he's at a point in his life where he like needs everything to be um what's it called i don't know i don't know but someone's saying my name i will say uh i know some Um, i know like older people and they are very smart when it comes to masks but yeah anyways um back to news good thing about i guess with festivals i have a friend uh, her name is Katie Schiller. Um, she was on the show, actually. She uh, did the LGBTQ episode with ah. us. She's a producer. Um, she produced a film called Shiva Baby. What? Um, which I have what not. What was that called? It's called Shiva Baby. Shiva, Shiva Baby. Like the, it's. I don't know exactly what a Shiva is. I mean, it's something. It's like a something in the Jewish religion. I think it has something to do with. I don't know exactly, but I'm not Jewish. But I'm sure people who are Jewish who are listening to this know what a shiva is. Um, but it's about um, the short. I mean, you can watch the short. It's on um, Vimeo. The director's name is who I've met once, but the director's name is Emma Siling- Siligman. Siligman? Um, I'm, she's, people are probably going to be angry at me for that. Um, um, or that's how you pronounce it. Um, but she did a short film called Shiva Baby that was at South by Southwest, and then they made a feature, and it got into South by South this this year. Of course, they canceled South by Southwest, and then it just got into TIFF, nice. which is great because Emma is actually from is Canadian born, uh, so she's a Canadian. So it's kind of a uh, you know coming back coming back home. So she's in competition, and actually the crazy thing is I'm looking at IndieWire. And they have all of the films, um, and they have pictures for four of the films um, that are in competition, and one of them is Shiva Baby. So I feel like this film is getting a lot of traction. So what you're saying, we should um, probably have, uh, what's her name? Them on. Yeah, yeah, have them on. Well, Katie definitely, we reached out to them at some point. Uh, well, I reached out to Katie, and she essentially said um, it's still way too early to do things i guess i should reach out again i'm just saying um, i really i feel like we're at the age now where people are starting to like transition into their glory if you will like directing wise like mm-hmm. like i said 20 around 25 and 27 is when you start to see people's first feature or like their things that get them off the ground um yeah that's not for everybody but i'm just saying I would love it if I could catch that lightning in a bottle before somebody becomes huge. Oh, it's sorry. It's a um, uh, the shiva. I guess the shiva is the Jewish funeral service. 
Um, but it has, um, I think one of the things that's pushing this is it has Rachel Sunot, uh, um, who is becoming slowly but surely a big actress um, in the world. Um, she's She's in a, I don't know, her face has popped up a few times. Um, What's her name? Rachel. Anyways. Yeah. Well, that's great. We'll, um, we'll, yeah, definitely reach yeah, out so to them. Yeah, so maybe we reach them. out to them. Anything else in uh, the news of the film? Um, I did bring up, but you pooed it, but I'm going to bring it back. Uh, uh, to, well, I guess it makes no difference. But, you know, a lot of people are doing reunion episodes. Oh. Uh, like, I saw a reunion episode of the Mr. Show show. They did the 30 Rock reunion. And for some reason, because I'm, I'm following him on Twitter... Uh, Bruce Campbell wants to reunite all the people from the Briscoe County Junior TV show together to do a live read of, like, I guess, an unaired episode or a retelling of an episode. I've not seen all of it, but it was a cult TV show in the 90s starring Bruce Campbell. And it's today, well, uh, three, three days ago, it was Friday at 5 p.m. on this lovely july 31st so if there's a recording and you're a big fan of briscoe county jr check it out um yeah i don't know what else is happening in the news i mean things are kind of dead um well there's always tenant news i always find that like yeah keeps me like i saw stuff saying like oh like 80 80 percent of the united states will see tenant in theaters on september 3rd or something um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, uh, there's not a whole lot going on in the news world. Um, uh, people are announcing films, trailers are coming out, but in regards to you know big trends and stuff, everyone's still kind of hungered in. Um. I guess we should. I mean, it was kind of an uneventful beginning, but I guess we should get to our uh topic, yes. as they say. Um, and. You know, I mean, I don't really know how to do the segue. I'll just start. Um, That's absurd, Sam. You know how to start it. I do. Um, It's absurd as comedy. (laughs) 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 We're talking about absurdist. Well, more more surrealist comedy, I guess. Surrealist absurdist comedy. So... Um, just for so anytime we have a list of absurdist comedy. Well, so anytime we have a topic, people at home listening to us, the reason why we pick these topics is something has come up or something has kind of perked our interest in the last week. And Sam showed me this guy named Connor O'Malley, who yeah. I would definitely describe him as a surrealist, minimal, not minimalistic, but the editing style makes it very absurd and who this yeah. guy is is he was a writer what his probably his biggest credit to the mainstream media if you will or um as our uh our uh, uh the guy who has his finger on the button would say the the <laughs> brain slain media i think that's what he says right the the brain slain media i don't know Oh, you're talking about what Connor O'Malley saying it? Oh, uh, I was talking about that guy, Donald Dump. What is he called? Oh, I don't even know. 
You don't even know what he lame, called. Lame, lame stream. I don't care. I think it's I think it's brain flame, crame Kramer, the media, Kramer media. I don't care. Just move on. I don't want to talk about him for that long. Sam doesn't vote. So, anyways, um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, he, uh, what he was known for is uh, he wrote on the Seth Meyers show, the late night Seth Meyers. Yeah. Show. And then he kind of transitioned, but it got me thinking that absurdist and surrealist humor is kind of more prevalent ever since the start of Adult Swim in um, in the 2000s. Now, yeah. absurdist humor has been around for a long time. I mean, I'm trying to think. I don't know about it in the 19, 1950s. You, can, you could say Mel Brooks and Kyle Reiner were kind of absurdist, but the thing about humor is you take one thing and you kind of turn it on its head. Like, you, it's unexpected, mm-hmm. in a sense, which is why a lot of people find humor and horror to be in the same genre. So I say, knock, knock, who's there? Cow, cow, who? And then I go, moo. Like, maybe you were... scary. Well, that's the thing. You, you were maybe expecting... Well, actually, I heard a joke recently, if you wanted to hear it. Uh, so, so why did they bury the fireman's body behind the barn? Because the barn was on fire. No, it was because he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a form of kind of, you know, flipping it on its head. Like, it's obvious, but you didn't expect it because jokes. Also kind of scary. Yeah. By the way, that was a credit from a, a Ren and Stimpy episode. Mm. A, a visit to Anthony. Anyways, Another kind of absurdist surrealist yeah. absurdist humor and and it's you see it in some of the cartoons in, mostly on adult swim but you have these kind of very strange weird out of the park kind of cartoons sometimes like Ren and Stimpy that um take it a kind of push the boundaries and that's what i also think about absurdist humor is that they don't mean to push the boundaries but they do they go in such a different way that it makes some people confused or uncomfortable yeah i think there's different levels to it um like you were saying that a lot of the the surrealist absurdist i I think i don't know like exactly the the difference between surrealist and absurdists i think absurdism just from my knowledge of absurd is it's it's just it's a little bit more um just goofy kind of humor humor it's like a lot of um it could know. it could sometimes be cons- be thought of as dumb because it has no connection yeah. so here's a good comparison but i'd say i'd say surrealist humor and what i think we're i'm focusing on today is a little bit more humor that's a little bit out of body like you don't know what you're watching like it seems to kind of defy it's a little bit more intense well it's also defying what it means to be a comedy and it may be also um, be like an art house piece where yeah. it takes it to the streets so a, a an example of absurdist or surrealist and just the kind of the classic bare bones comedy is larry david and 
Seinfeld, they would never do anything like their jokes are very structured, you know? Yeah. Jerry gets a new car. Kramer has to do a laundry business. The laundry business gets mixed up with the car and the car accidentally damages and ruins their day. Well, an absurdist humor is Andy Kaufman literally just going on stage, putting on a record of the Mighty Mouse theme song, and then just standing, waiting for the one chorus of like, I'm here to save the day. That's absurd. Here I am to save the day. Here I am to save the day. Like, that's it. That's absurdist humor. What's crazy about that, and I think Andy Kaufman, kind of the 70s, I think was uh, uh, kind of the beginning of absurdist humor that we know of today. Um, and also, met, it's and it, it, like a meta. It's meta. It's definitely very meta because it takes this the you know it takes this idea of very structured comedy, right? Like the Seinfelds, um, talk shows, um, things like a lot of comedy is kind of structured, and it really it really turns it on its head. And I think Charlie Kaufman is like the best example of. At least in America, Andy. like the early Andy, what did I, oh Charlie Kaufman? No, yeah, Andy Kaufman is kind of the best example of Amer- American absurdist humor um, that came about. And when I first saw that that thing where he comes out, and I remember my my parents were showing me it, our parents, and he does like here I am to save the day. I didn't I didn't think it was funny. I thought, I it, thought was... it was kind of like what is this? This is is this the whole thing? Like I was I was so confused. But as with any, like, great art, I think, in my opinion, great art is just things that stick in your head and don't don't really seem to, to fit anything. And it's, it's kind of its own thing. Um, and, you know, I think, I think that's, that, that was kind of the beginning of, of, of modern, well, and also, modern comedy. It was really ahead of its time. And, I mean, I, there wasn't really one that replaced... The only one that was the same as Andy Kaufman was Monty Python, I think, would also be absurdist humor or surrealist humor. Although their things were rather goofy, it also played on that whole meta thing where they would be saying, like, now for something completely unrelated or they would or they would pretend like they were introducing this episode of Monty Python. And then like it would break the fourth wall so many different times. So that's what made it surrealist. I would say, yeah, they were surrealist. But the thing. The thing I'm thinking of when I think of this kind of offbeat humor is a lot of it does translate into interviews in their own lives or kind of their personas where you're almost confused if this is who they actually are. So, for example, like Tim Heidecker more so than Eric Wareheim. I mean, we can't talk about Tim and Eric, in my opinion, are like the new. They're like the the fresh brand of uh, absurdist humor. Where uh, Tim Heidecker would like on his Twitter tweet out things that his character on um, on on cinema would think, and his on cinema persona is like this super crazy right wing, like nothing. No matter what the facts are, it he's right and he's insane. So he would tweet out that stuff, um, and then of course, if nobody's seen it. Uh, 
Tim Heidecker's On Cinema with Greg Turkington is, in my opinion, one of the best examples of like a new form of humor because it's very, very minimalistic. Because it's really just like two people talking, and then they'll talk. Yeah. And this is like what I'm. Ta- this is what I'm talking about with this kind of humor, where they're just talking to each other and they're reviewing movies. And then things will just slowly unravel, almost like a podcast, but it's a TV show. And then as the seasons go on, like things start to transpire. What's interesting with, with Tim, I feel like Tim Heidecker is kind of to chill, chilled off a little bit. I think after Mr. America came off, because I, I was seeing an interview with him where he <laughs> he compared himself to, to, to Andy Kaufman. And he was saying, like, I, I kind of, you know... Uh, wish because the thing with Andy Kaufman he died uh, tragically he died of cancer but he was still like at kind of the height of his career like he was he was still going a young up and man. up and up and you know Tim Heidecker I think really loved Andy Kaufman and w- wanted to be like that where it was like he, he like he had so many different personas and all of them were named <laughs> Tim Heidecker <laughs> Um, which is so funny because he's like, I'm so bad with naming things. I just name it after myself. But um, he has so many different personas and he was kind of just like, well, now I'm getting to the point in my life where, you know, I have a family. I'm kind of like, you know, I'm like settling. Like it's like he did. He never really thought much about like, how does, how do you maintain this? Uh, that so is he, such he's a kind good of, question. He's, he's kind of now, um, I mean, I listened to his, his radio show after, hours office hours i do hours i do too though if you want so that was something i always i grew up with i mean teenage years but i developed as a human being with the tim and eric and i really honestly only thought of them as because their interviews back in the day all their interviews yeah they were always in character they were always in character they never answered the questions or if they answered the questions they wouldn't actually answer the questions or like lie about it which I I always found is I love that where like because interviews are so be at like being interviewed is really just cut and dry. There's nothing really to it. You say a funny joke or an anecdote, and the crowd goes wild. Um, yeah, which is why I it, like podcast shows because it seems a little bit more informal, and the guests can kind of razz the person. Of yeah. course, I'm talking more comedy bang bang. I don't know if they do that on other stuff. Well, um, but actually, to talk about another absurdist, it's I would this person is more uh, surreal to me is uh, Nathan Fielder. I wouldn't say he's surreal at all. I think he's very surreal because his stuff is very, very, very dry. But it's it, but that's just dry humor. But it. The thing is, is sometimes it takes this very strange, almost Twin Peaks-esque turn. For example, the very last episode of the Nathan Fielder for You was something that felt so it, it it's so strange because it had the formula, but then it kept going these turns and it like was it felt heartfelt, but it was also very awkward. And another reason why I I'm comparing, I wouldn't call. Okay, well, the reason why I'm comparing him to absurdist and surrealist stuff is his personality is also askew. Like, I don't think I've ever met the real 
or I've never seen the real Nathan Fielder. Yeah, I think you're. I think we need to define surrealism. For me, surrealism is comedy that has no meaning. Like it seems like they they don't they don't try to make sense of what they're doing. Um, and Nathan Fielder's it it makes sense. Like you like he has a character. He does the character. And just because you you have a character that kind of bleeds into your real life a little bit doesn't mean it's surrealist. Like no, I think I mean, Tim and Eric is a great I... example of is is a good example of surrealism because their comedy is very uh like you can't make sense of it. Like a lot of it is just you just you, you you're just kind of sitting there kind of like in awe of like what just happened. And would... they love playing that up. And same with we're going to keep rattling off the what I think and what we've agreed on are surrealist um Eric Andre his his thing is very like some of the things he does is it's it's just you're like kind of what is what is happening like whenever he goes especially I think when he goes out and like does the street stuff um cuz that's that's not really unheard of like people do that like all all talk shows do that where they go out on the street but then he just like randomly like does this bird up stuff where he's like in a green suit and sun and randomly like the green suit, uh, you know, switches to different <laughs> backgrounds and stuff. And it's just it's all over the place. And it's kind of just so much at once that you're left going, what is happening? That's why Nathan, I... for you is very cut and dry. This every episode is there's you, there's nothing really surprising. Well, that's why I would you. consider not saying it's not funny. I think so. Eric Andre and Tim and Eric, I think, are both surrealist humorists. But in a sense, at a late, like a late, like I think Tim Heidecker's later stuff, like the on cinema stuff, is absurd because, like, if you heard, I don't think there's too much of a difference. I think, between no, absurd and the, surrealist. No, the, when I think of surreal, I think of like solid, like Dali, Dali, you know, like like almost like a mix, like a chaotic calmness that makes sense but you don't understand why it makes sense but it's also very stupid <laughs> like it could all right be let called... me since you're talking about dolly i have an article um from uh the washington post um here wait let me let me pull up the article it's uh elizabeth uh brunig um and it's why is millennial human uh, humor so weird um, and it lists all That's these trends question. with with millennials, um, how they're told to go to college and they go to college and they just get a bunch of debt and they're job hopping. There's basically there's so much less security and um, predictability in millennial culture. And this article says, uh, quote, amid these trends, particular style of expression has spread among youth people. Rather than trying to restore meaning and sense where, where they've gone missing, the style aims to play with the moods and emotions of an illegible world. In a way, it's a digital update to the surreal and absurd genres of art and literature that characterized the tumultuous early 20th century. And that brings me to not just uh, Salvador Dali, but also, I think one of the earliest instances of surrealism, and that's Dada, uh, Dada art, you know, our mutt on the toilet, uh, the champ. Um, it was a time in which it, it really shook uh, what it means to be human uh, with world after World War One, like so many things kind of uh, kind of went out the doors in, in, in machines 
or humans started to be thought of as machines that can just be killed and stuff. So people started doing this Dada art, which was they would go up and read poetry and it was just gibberish or they would go up and um, or like, I mean, the classic example, uh, the champs are mutt, which is just a a a, um, a urinal with our mutt written on it and things that have really no meaning. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of that. I mean, the Dada movement really only lasted for like 10 years, but it was really the only it was like the beginning of this extreme abstract art and then you bring up Salvador Dali I mean his surrealism is it's not really I guess I would think hmm, I don't know I guess this is now turning into like what's the surrealist versus abstract because you think of abstract art and you're thinking of you know Jackson Pollock you think of surrealism and you think of Salvador Dali well I think when I think of uh, uh, like absurd humor is so for another example of like if you hear there's a thing called the trial of tim heidecker like that's absurd and it's it's very it's like dry but it's also hilarious if you watch the whole thing and you're very engaged like it's almost it's almost like some of like some of these stuff these stupid adult swim things can turn into like like a very i don't know i don't want to say deep but like art art pieces um mm. like it's very strange there's a there's a few shorts on uh adult swim that they post that are like that like there was one that i watched where um it's it's kind of like this it's a house and they have cameras set up all throughout the house and for some reason all like it's these two couple and their kid and the two couple are like talking to each other, and then they start to see that their daughter upstairs is slowly sinking into the ground, or like into the floor. So the rest of the ep like this weird episode is these two family members going like, "Oh my! Like what are we doing? Like what are we doing? Our daughter is sinking into the floor! <laughs> like it's so absurd!" And like the daughter's not screaming; she's just like, she's face down into the ground and just slowly sinking into the into the next floor below and it's just kind I have of a, reaction. A, i kind of have a um a, a definition here to 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 distinguish the two i guess um surrealism is an artistic movement um an aesthetic philosophy that aims for the liberation of the mind by emphasizing the critical and imaginative power of the subconscious absurdism is a philosophy which holds that the universe is chaotic and irrational and that any attempt to impose order would ultimately fail. So, I think what we're talking about more so is absurdism. Oh. I, was, I yeah. think surrealism is a little bit more... Um, you're right, like Salvador Dali, which is a little bit... It's a little bit more like meditation. Um, and they kind of don't really go hand in hand because it seems like, like with surrealism, it seems like you can find balance through like looking inwards in your subconscious and stuff. While absurdism is just, there is no meeting. Well, uh, so I think, so I think sense, a lot of this actually early absurdism, early Tim, uh, Tim and Eric stuff is absurdist while the later, like the stuff I was talking about where it's like, it seems normal but it's actually very strange. I think that's surrealist. 
And that's I think well, that's why Nathan Fielder and the trial of Tim Heidecker, though super dry, in the situation is very, very, very strange. You know and like in this weird we a- in this weird world. And I think actually David Lynch is a good example, but he goes into the like the horror into making you kind of like realize there's a world within our world and it's scary. While these kind of comedians, um, and I'll I'll bring up a, somebody you know just so we're not just talking about guys, but uh, Mary uh, Mar- uh, Maria Bamford who does uh, Lady Dynamite, uh, she's she's pretty absurd. Sorry, hers is like a mix of surrealist mixed with absurd, but it's a little bit. I don't think we. I think it, I don't know. I, I think surrealism is, is it's it's not exactly what we're talking. I think we're talking more about absurdism. See, I'm uh, but, yeah. I mean, for some of these things, yes. So okay, here's another example: is um, Andy Daly's uh, show, The Review, not The Review, but it's called Review. I would consider that a surrealist piece. Because it's a very simple concept where it's about a guy who reviews life. So you send him a review saying, hey, how does it feel to be like to get divorced? And so he'll be like, okay, I'll actually go out and divorce my wife. And then you see uh, the thing that's unexpected is we actually get to see how that affects his life, his kids. And it's like a horrible, horrible thing to see. But because it's not real, it's funny. So it's mm-hmm. kind of this surreal look at at behind the humor. So we see we see the like the mighty pythons, or we see the sign. You know all these uh, humor stuff of like oh they did something funny or like oh they killed somebody like on screen. Like you see a lot of like like how many times Tom and Jerry have killed each other or why like Wiley Coyote. Like imagine if it was in real life. And Wiley Coyote gets killed by, like, smashed by the boulder. And then we have to see afterwards uh, him in recovery. And he has yeah. to talk to his wife. And his wife is like, why do you have to eat this Roadrunner? We have food at home. And it's like, I have to do this. Why? I don't know. Like, I that's, think, I that's, think his, that's surreal. What I've been getting into, I, th- yeah, you're right. Like absurd. All right, continue with what you were saying. Who was the the comedian you were talking about? Oh, Andy. Was I talking about Andy Daly? No, no, no. The other person, like the woman. Oh, her name name is Maria Bamford, and she's known for, or she had a limited series called, not limited, but she had a series called Lady Dynamite on Netflix, and it does have kind of the, it, it, I would consider it more goofy, but there are surreal moments where, like, kind of chaotic so i would consider her humor more absurd but it's not it it's not as absurd as say an eric andre and tim heidecker where literally everything like all of a sudden like someone will like like they're saying something and then they'll freeze and then their mouth will become like somebody else's mouth and then that mouth will be a transition to another scene like it's not regardless that crazy. all of these comedians i think it's a combination of both really um and i think it comes from just trying to make a comedy of 
comedies of of just how things are conformed like making a comedy because i think it comes in waves like you were talking about seinfeld in the 90s things were just everything was kind of conformity in times of i think general prosperity and then when things kind of start going insane these surrealist absurdist comedy starts to come in where it starts making fun of people making fun of things so it's so it's it's, so it's it's, a satire it's It's actually what we're talking about is like absurdist satire i guess i mean a true satire is i mean like like it's 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 uh what what is it called um colbert report is a satire that's pure satire where like they're just making fun of uh fox news and super right people well, but once again, and Eric, well, like here's the thing: like Tim and Eric and Eric Andre, they are absurdist satire mm-hmm. in the sense that they're taking talk show hosts or late night TV and just turning it way up on its head, like stuff you would never see. On and I think stuff like Tim and Eric, uh, the the Eric Andre show, Connor O'Malley, I think we we mentioned very early on is i think this this other iteration of did you see his he did one in portland which yeah, was nuts i saw i saw that whole entire well i didn't see the whole thing but i saw a lot of it uh, so for viewers at home and i posted this um on my good old facebook uh but uh connor Malley does this thing called like a bike report or a report on foot and he'll just he'll do like a, a show on a bike and he was in Portland during the demonstrations. And so he's being surrounded by like, like there's cops and tear gas and just like flames and all like truly looks true, like really chaotic. And he's making jokes throughout the entire thing. Not about the, well, he is making fun of the, the thing. Like there's one part where like somebody throws uh, the police throw a tear gas and he goes like, P.U. Who let like someone <laughs> like ripped one, and this is like a super serious situation. And then he has like an interview with a, a wall at one point. It's just really like chaotic, funny situation in a really horrible. But like, Conor O'Malley is kind of a this this new type of comedy in which it's taking on. It's just all like it's just online humor. And of course, there's a difference between professionals doing it and, you know, people on TikTok. But especially if it's like a short video that went viral, um, it's like those kind of things with like meme culture, I think, is also it's this this it perpetuates this this absurdist humor kind of thing, because there's memes of memes of memes of memes. And it keeps going deeper and deeper and deeper. And you keep and you see this this. I don't know, like this trend, especially like I, I go on Twitter and there's a meme starts off and then someone makes a meme of that meme and then someone memes that meme and then someone combines those two, like a, one meme and another meme. And then it, this, that, so it's like you have to kind of know the original meme to understand the joke. And I think that's true with this like millennials and stuff or with not millennials with um all absurdist humor is you have to understand the the joke of of like a talk show to think and be kind of tired of a talk show to think Eric Andre to really understand how funny Eric Andre is. 
or well, you have to understand how kind of tired some of the tropes are of of skit shows to understand the Tim and Eric show. Like you, like all these things, you have to kind of understand the 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 tiredness of a format to understand the absurdity of these kind of so deeper I, memes in, in comedy things. I, it's very interesting how comedy is evolving. So like back in the 1950s, for a while, there's the true joke of on a, like a knock-knock joke kind of stuff, like a Mel Brooks. <laughs> now, now humor has evolved so strange and absurd during these unset times. And I do find it funny where all you have to do is just post a really disfigured-looking um like minion and then have it be super deep fried and then have like something across the top that just goes oi oi or something like that <laughs> and that's that's a joke like it's something well, there's also this thing where like i don't know if you've seen this trend where um it's like a stick figure and someone maybe we should do an episode on memes um they have that would college, be fascinating there's a college class on it somewhere i can imagine but i t i feel like it's hard to keep up nowadays but there's this meme that's where this dad walks in on the kid and it's like stick figures and the I've dad's just like are you winning and then the kids says something and that that has been like turned into so many different things that it's 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 crazy yeah. um and i think the meme like the meme that like is most uh I, most con like the connection to like what's going on nowadays is like the the dog in the burning house and it's like everything is fine oh yeah you know like that that as well was like a meme that came out and it really just kind of took off and like there's so many subgenres of that one meme well, um, the one, if, if we're talking i mean this is kind of humor but it's like p just people-based humor where I mean, the most popular one, in my opinion, right now, is the one where it's the guy and he's looking back at the girl, and his actual girlfriend is looking at him. Like that is used quite often for like. Oh know, yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's like, another one. Like, yeah. The guy is United States, and the girl he's looking at is you know, um, like I don't know, like the November third election and then the girl looking at him is covid uh 19 pandemic or something yeah yeah um, yeah but so i just wanted to this may state for a lot of people um like i just want to read this this comment somebody posted on 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 paste about connor o'malley's humor and i think this could actually translate to a lot of to some other people's humor and maybe to humor in the future so Shane Riley wrote on Paste about expressing his opinions on what he thinks O'Malley's humor is, and it's uh, uh, Connor O'Malley's comedy expresses anger and envy and a sort of perverted worship of wealth and the American dream. And then he was talking about Connor O'Malley did a bunch of vines back in the day, but I think it also talks about his YouTube videos, but it says that they tell a story of a man very publicly and very loudly slipping into a state of shattered, bewildered madness before being reborn in the desert as some kind of, uh, some type of distorted, disoriented creature. And I actually, a lot of main, like, the humor that I see is a lot of that. Like, Eric Andre, once again, he went to the NDR, 
ND, uh, the Republican RNC, RNC, and it's just him trolling these 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 people, but trying to be like, I'm one of you. I'm one of you. I agree with you. Oh, actually, there's these new comedians who I highly suggest like looking up. They don't have too much stuff, but they're called the Good Liar, where they also pretend to be republicans like at these oh, conventions yeah. is that the, are those the people who are just like this isn't funny yeah yeah so like one of the things they do that i thought was hilarious is they're at a trump like a recent trump rally or before the pandemic they're at a trump rally and they're like prepping themselves up they're like yeah this is gonna be great i can't wait to hear him make jokes this is gonna be funny and all donald trump talks about is you know the same old stuff like the wall locker up his almost the same points and then they're just like wait this isn't funny this is and then they start heckling him because i feel like a lot, like there are some people out there who consider him an actual funny guy like donald trump's funny and so they're kicked yeah. out um i think it, it's also scary though because the other side like some of the the reasons why trump got so popular is because he, in a way, is also kind of an absurdist comedian. He is a like, he very is, absurd. He's, By the way. He is kind of like he, to a degree, I mean, say what you want about him politically. Obviously, I hate him. I mean, not, not maybe not obviously, but well, it's obvious I don't like me. him. Um, But he's kind of a funny guy. Well, like, no, he he's, he, some, he, I don't think he's weird. Fi- I don't think he's, I think he's not funny because he is the president of one of the most, that's the thing. I don't think he's funny, like at all. That he li- he's. That's the thing. All these comedians, I can laugh at them, because they have no power. This is a man who rises in like the stock market and truly makes people. Like some people don't understand this kind of humor, you know. Or they. And what's crazy misinter- is. But here's I I, I do want to just say I think and I think he did do this on purpose. And I actually the first time that I had a glimpse of his insane humor is when he did his eulogy for herman cain did you see this no okay he breaks up his tweets i guess just so he can get more retweets and likes oh oh yeah 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 and and this is this is the beginning my friend herman cain a powerful voice of freedom and all that is good passed away this morning herman had an incredible career and was adored by everyone that ever met him especially me he was a very special man and a American patriot and a great friend. I just got off. <laughs> and then he begins the I next know, tweet with, "Well, you know, the fo- wait." Yeah. He, the next tweet is the f- uh, the phone with his amazing wife Gloria. Why the hell did he stop at? I just got off. Like I honestly no, think that was. I think that he, was a they wink. Have char- no, no, it wasn't a wink. It was. T- they have character limit. He doesn't do it right. because I'm checking. It's because see. they have 240 character limits. He probably reached the end of the character limit and then just started a new tweet. It's definitely funny. I just checked. I just put in that whole entire tweet, and I, I typed in the whole thing. He had eight characters left, so he could have put in phone. But he said, I just got off I just got phone. off. Well, then he did the next tweet, the phone. He could have okay, put so in. Okay, so the phone. Well, he could have been. The, he could have put the. Okay, I don't think this is hit. I don't. I think this is going down a rabbit hole that I don't think is. It's not really what we're talking about. 
I think that's just uh, he just didn't know what was going on. But I'm just saying I think, he could have also. I think put, it's. I just got off on the next. I tweet. get it. I get it. He could have, but he didn't. No, but I what think I, this was. What a, I am. This was. I, I think, don't think it was a wink. I think this I think is the, the. This is my conspiracy. No, I don't think so. Yeah, this is what's it's annoying. A con- it's is, a conspiracy. Is, is people go like comedians go to these RNC events and they make it into a joke. But the problem is, is it's they're just so accurate. That's what's scary. So Connor O'Malley goes up to like, you know, someone in the in the RNC, like someone who's going to this convention, and he's like, basically saying, "I'm making fun of you," and they're just like. Yeah, this is, this is, you're right. This is how we are. And they don't care. Like, it's just, it's, the humor is, it's there if you look just, like, a hundred years from now and look back. It's like the jokes have become reality. And that's what's kind of That's the scary scary part about this, this This whole absurdist thing. Well, I mean, not absurdist, but that's what I worry about the humor today. I can enjoy Conor O'Malley on a... Like, I get it. He's fake, right? But there, I do agree that I think some people could watch it and not get the joke. Because unless it's obvious, it's not a joke. Like, okay, I will say I showed this to a friend of mine who is a Trump supporter. And he laughed at it. And I think this person's a very smart person. But, but I, isn't this person, is this Mr. Mimoff? I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna su- say who it is, but I'm just saying like, um, well I don't know exactly, but it's it's it seems like he is going to vote for Donald Trump, and I like after the video, I I he just went, yeah, like he was laughing at it, but he was also be like, yeah, this is I believe in some of this stuff, because uh, Conor O'Malley doesn't make fun of Trump supporters, he just is he he emulates what a trump supporter is to the nth degree someone who yells and and says usa or like i'm in the a bunker like he like yeah his character lives in like his basement um but oh there was another thing that i thought I we're just also want, running out of time i just want to say one more thing it was like it absurdist humor is so it's a it's a form of dry and satire that it really is not forever. I don't know what percentage of people, but one, I think you have to kind of grow up around it. I don't, and I also don't know if it's like American type humor. Like that's the thing. I don't know of any. I think abs- it is. I think it's kind of an American invent, not invention. Well, not invention. I think but it's it's an American it, America kind of popularized. Like what, I what, think it is. Here's the thing. Would I understand, say, an Iranian absurdist? comedian like if they started like how would i know what they're making fun of so like know. tim and Absurdity like, may be different for each like, culture exactly like tim and we're, eric we're going I'm, into a deep dive of culture of philosophy i feel like all of these questions are way out of our league of what we can answer right we need so to I get think a we should transition now philosophy guy, to like things person. that we've watched right um because i don't know if we've come to any kind of clear definition of what we were even really talking about but maybe we scr- well, skim the surface opinion, and I think we, peak some people's I think, minds i think more so than anything i think surrealism is i think you're right i think we're talking more absur- surrealist than absurdist i was saying absurdism uh, see i disagree because all this okay st- so then i'm not I, right all right okay. so let's let's we're decided against even... each other i believe the humor is surrealist you think it's absurdist okay 
Let's... I think it's absurdist because the whole thing Damn is it, about how g- there's no meaning. All right. There anyways, there is meaning. Okay. There, there isn't always meaning. There, okay. So sometimes that is things meaning. I've watched, and this is not surrealist, but it's 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 a Hungarian film called My Twentieth Century. I watched it last night on the Criterion Channel. Nice. It is essentially about these two women who are estranged at birth and are experiencing the turn of the century into the twentieth century. Or, yeah, into the 20th century uh, in separate kind of ways. Um, and it's very beautiful because it kind of begins and ends with Thomas Edison. Um, <laughs> really? But, like, his lights. And there's a lot of light dance. And there's a lot of talks of... And it's kind of this this symbolism, I guess, for Hungarian culture. Um, that's at least what I was reading. Because it is kind of... it is. It is surrealist. Uh, it's 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 it it's the storyline is. It's it's kind of confusing on like why is this happening when you're watching it. Yeah. So I do think you kind of have to read about it, um, but it's very beautiful and it's it kind of it's it's very meta. Like it kind of just it. it Things just keep happening, and you're just like, "What's going on?" And it, it captured my attention the whole time to make me want to read more. Um, uh, but it's all like through the lens of like discovery in the 20th century, um, and also all these crazy ideologies that are going on at the same time. One of them's an anarchist; the other is like a high society person. Um, and um, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it, and it ma- it's making me think. So I recommend that movie. Um, okay. I'll. Uh, in the movie that I watched, um, this was actually a week ago, but um, it was the movie called The House That Jack Built. It is a, a Lars Van Trier movie, and I watched the director's cut. It stars um, Matt Dillon, who is from Midnight Cowboy. No, no, sorry, Midnight drug store drug store cowboy um but this movie is a different kind of feel of the house that jack built oh sorry sorry i'm looking at the title the house that jack out of time the the house that jack built is a different way of looking at a serial killer it's a almost a three-hour movie of a serial killer slowly developing his skills and what happens in eat like five instances like maybe his first kill and then his l- last kill and the last 30 minutes of the movie is very very strange um i would recommend it it i liked it at first i was a little disjointed disjointed by it but it's it's good for a watch it's it's also it. it's an art house film okay so we're probably out of time so uh that's it for today um who knows what will be next week yeah. um but yeah all right godspeed everyone all right Stay clean, Spider-Man.